I am the Chi. The Chi is with me. This is Mulan Spoilers. This is Spoilers. Hello everybody, this is your host Stevie and today we are reviewing the direct to DVD or streaming if you want to call it Mulan. Direct to VHS. (laughs) Direct to VHS, Mulan, 2020's Mulan, wowza. It's a Disney Channel original. DCOMs (laughs) were a big part of my childhood. Um, If this was a DCOM, this would be up there with like Look at the Irish or um, what's another Smart good house, maybe Smart House, Eddie's Million Alley Dollar Cat Cook Strike. Off, Alley Cat Strike, Halloween Town One, Two, Three, and Four. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe with four. <laughs> yeah. So, Baba, let's just get into it, and I don't want to seem like too much of a jerk. If you enjoyed this movie, that's great for you. But let's go from Esus to Esus, and I want you guys to say one nice thing you really liked about this movie. Am I the Isis? I think you're the Isis, Pam. Wow. We're sh- spoilers podcast, Manifest Destiny, just moving west. Love to see it. I guess it's Pappy. <laughs> Slow west. The Weestis, recording from Louisville, Colorado. Uh, I'm, a, I'm more west. All right, well, I'm the, the Isis. We, or Isis. Yeah. Isis to Weestis. But what I liked was the look of the movie. I thought it was a really pretty looking movie. Um the colors were great. I, it's really too bad that this is the kind of the first COVID Disney premiere access home release movie because this would have been like a really good excuse to get to the theaters. But on a nice TV, it looked looked pretty good. I don't know where Pixie lives, so who who does this? Who's next here? Pixie's north of Seattle, so I don't know what's going on anymore. S- Seattle versus well, LA. It's my birthday weekend, so I'm going to go. Okay, good deal. <laughs> this is uh, Pixie Bomber. And I have a lot more nice things to say about Mulan than Stevie, and they will be trickling out as they go, but I loved the reflections, the key theme throughout, and there was one key Easter egg that I literally started jumping up and down in my house when I saw it, and I'll get to that later. And this is Corey recording out of Simi Valley, California. One of the things I like about this movie is the cast, at least for the most part. Um, I don't think they turn in particularly great performances in this movie, but there's some people that I like. I like Jason Scott Lee. Jet Li's pretty cool. Donnie Yen is a badass. Cheer it in way for the win. Donnie Yen's the man. Uh, also, uh, I, you, know, you guys know me. I like to make the Star Trek actor references. Uh, <laughs> Rosalind Chow, who plays Mulan's mom, is Keiko O'Brien in Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So shout out to her. She's awesome. Nice. Very cool. Um, let me think. A nice thing to say about this movie that I particularly liked. Um... Let's see. I really like the reference to the 36th chamber of Shaolin when they're carrying the water buckets like up the hill, like off the side of their arms as pretty much as far as they can. Um, And also, I kind of dug the kung fu in this movie. No. Hold on. Some of it looked kind of pretty, man. 
Like, I don't know. It didn't look that bad on screen, but it also didn't look great because of story issues. But, I mean, if you guys want to jump in here, go ahead. But why did they find it necessary to take out everything that wasn't in the animated, like, animated version? Like, everything that made the animated version great, they, like, took out. (laughs) Like, honestly, like, not having the songs in there was so weird to me. Did anybody else feel that way? But they did have the songs in there, and I can pinpoint you to... It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Oh, I can point you to things. (laughs) Do you like that, though, Renee? Because, like, I, I was asking my fiance, I was like, if... You just heard the score, and you didn't have the context of the original Mulan. Would you think this music's good? And we were we were both in agreement, like, no. It's just, it's totally writing off, like, the little cues from the original musical. So, like, Honor to Us All was the score that was underneath when they were getting dressed for the matchmaker team. And so those who knew the, knew the song and they knew the scene, they were able to catch it. But if you're showing your child for the first time the live-action Mulan, not the animated Mulan, your child's not going to understand. But you as an adult would understand. And there was one time where it was completely did not make sense to me, where they had the reflection score going on. And the commander said, tranquil as the forest, but a fire within. I'm like, no, these are two different songs. What are you doing to me? Because I'll Make a Man Out of You is my karaoke the go-to. It is my standard that I do. Because I'm a very small petite woman, and it's hilarious when I do it. But it had the reflection score as Mulan's theme that was continuation throughout the whole entire thing. But when the commander did that line, I was like, nope, 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 this is not, nope. So that was really a struggle for me. But I know that the writers were intentional about leaving in the lyrics uh, to make Mulan's voice and the voices more known, especially with the song A Girl Worth Fighting For. They wanted it more relatable, and they wanted her actual voice heard and not that comedic aspect of it. Pat, did any of the songs work for you? No. As far as music goes, did any of that work for you? <laughs> no, I thought the score sucked. And, I, and like, First of all, Renee, if, if anyone is showing their child this and they're not showing their child the 90s version of Mulan, I feel terrible for that fucking child. That should be like a, <laughs> Me too. Like an I, intervening I type sad. situation. Well, like, because like, it's just not as fun. Like, and like, I would rather have like the, the characters like singing the fun songs on screen. Like, that's so much better. Now, I wonder like kind of like the origin of this because a couple years ago now when this was first announced there was like a blurb or like a news piece that wasn't gonna this wasn't gonna have any of the songs Do you remember None that, of it. oh yeah it was a big deal no shang no music disney twitter like oh, freaked revolted. yeah disney twitter freaked out and then like a week later like oh no we, like we met there's just gonna totally be the songs like we just had that opposite <laughs> like, and so like, i wonder if it's almost just like they reworked some of the score to include it but like i liked the like dialogue cues on the music and the references like i, I remember the uh when they're describing the women that they want to like marry like yeah. their ideal partner right. that says like he even says like the it doesn't matter what she looks like it only matters what she cooks like like that's i don't know why they're rhyming in that part but it, I, I liked that i thought it was cute that's specific from the song yeah like he actually says i care what she cooks like like it's straight out of the song and there was also the commander specifically pulls a line out of I'll make a mountain of you earlier which is it's more of how 
how they've worked it in and how it made it more natural. Some parts it wasn't natural and wasn't fitting. And some parts it it worked its way in naturally. But I think what they were trying to do is go with the ballad of Mulan and go with the play of Mulan from the actual folklore and lean heavily on the folklore, moving away from the songs and the cartoonish and the comedic aspect of the animation. When you do a movie like this, there's like a balance or there's... It's it's a very tricky situation to put someone who's a filmmaker in because you don't want to just do the exact same thing, right? Because no one wants that. They're just going to say, oh, you just did the exact same thing. Wow, good job. Lion King all over again. Yeah. You also can't change too much because then people will be like, well, it's totally different. What is this? And that's why a lot of, I think, these types of movies don't work super well, but... I, I mean, the music in Mulan, I mean, we talked about it in our Mulan podcast, is, like, dope. It's dope as fuck. And to not have it in this, it's, like, a big part of that movie that's missing. It's it's a big part that everyone loves. That Make a Man Out of You song that Pixie was talking about, I mean, that's a banger. The montage in the animated version is unreal with Make a Man Out of You. Like, it's honestly probably my second favorite part of that entire movie because it gets me so pumped up. And I think what people forget about like the animated version versus this is the animation animated version seemed much more dramatic than this did. Yes. Like there were external shifts. Yeah, it just seemed far more dramatic. And Corey, as someone who loves comedy as deeply as you, like mm-hmm. what do you think about the <laughs> omission of Mushu from the entire movie and replaced by a Phoenix so we could get a Game of Thrones shot at the end? <laughs> uh that that should not be taught in any film study class, I'll tell you that much. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to stop. Like, that needs to not be a thing anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was okay there was no Phoenix at all. Like, just remove it. I didn't think it was necessary. Yeah, exactly. What purpose did it serve for you guys? I thought, like, like Pixie said, it was just so unnecessary. I think it's to, like, to satisfy the complaints of, like, well, where's, like, the... <laughs> Where's the Mushu style like assistance from her ancestors? And I guess that's it. So it's the ancestral spirit that was because um, she had broken the the wing. When yeah, she was yeah. Younger, and it was the carrying on from her dad asking to protect her. But I don't think it was necessary in the way that it was like the visualization of it. She, it could have been done without the way it was done. I think. Yeah. I think Corey's right in that it was. Yeah, that filling of the Mushu void. But Stevie, the better question to me is like, why did they get rid of Mushu? Because I feel like what I said on the Mulan podcast that we did was kind of misconstrued. Like when I was comparing it to Jiminy Cricket, but and my hate for <laughs> Mushu was hated. But what do you, like, I don't know. Why, why do you why hate do you... Mushu? <laughs> I wish there was a Mushu in this movie. Maybe I might be yeah. wrong. Yeah, I might be wrong. Like, and my complaint in that movie was there was too many animal sidekicks right you have the horse you have the cricket and you have mushu they got rid of all of those there's no horse sidekick there's no, no, cricket they brought to life cricket is a dude now like, there's no says, animals i'm lucky he, he does and then he looks at the camera yeah it's like <laughs> so obvious i almost wish like mushu would have like replaced cricket and been like the comedic part like in the like in the army i don't know i felt like I mean, I didn't want to straight up comedy with this movie, but I feel like it was severely lacking. And I mean, 
Pap, I think you and I talked about the screenplay a bit. Did the incorporation of the wor- of the witch work for you at all? No, and like I really dislike. Okay, every change that they make is going to be scrutinized just because of kind of like what Kylo's saying by the nature of like what these are when you're like re- soft remaking things that are so famous, mm-hmm. and it's like. The whole, not just the witch, like the whole power of the chi. Yes. It feels like what they did is they took a story about like kind of an every woman person, right? Like just a typical woman from a Chinese village who doesn't have any special powers. And now it's like there's some subset of women who can also channel the chi. And like, it's funny, like what your opening spoiler was, like I'm with the chi, the chi is with me. Like if you change the word chi for force in this movie this could basically just be like a mandalorian script you know what i mean this could be like a standalone star wars story basically i i hated the witch i hated all of that like force shit they added i was okay with um aspects of the chi except for the um like her harnessing the power within and her showing her that she has it within and giving her that confidence and the chi gives her that because the is a big part of a lot of martial arts in using that, but then they use it for the avalanche. And that is where they lost me. <laughs> I was like, uh, no. No thanks. That's, that's, we are, we are a snowball too far on that one. But, you know, the, the sequence, uh, which I thought was stunning, with her training at night, and you get that beautiful night shot with her with the tree, and her utilizing yeah. the tree. Like, that was Stunner, and that just took my breath away just how they shot it and that sequence itself showing her you know knowing herself within so there was aspects of the chi that give honor to the Chinese heritage which I'm good with I struggled with the, the witch for a while and I talked with a couple other people um, specifically about is this a part of the folklore specifically knowing they went back to it and they did research and the witch is not grounded in the folklore. She is not part of it. Instead, um, Silver branded her and took the themes of the storytelling, the themes of it, because um, women had been vilified for so long. He wanted something that was um, that they could be more powerful, and that because of how threatening they could be. I, I don't. I don't know if it was necessary. I don't think that having. Um, the witch who is very similar to that of Mulan, but on the other side of the team, being under the thumb of a man who was struggling. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessary. I think that it took away from the impact of Mulan by having her in there. And me being, you know how I'm about having like powerful and strong bitches and like everything. I, I struggled with the necessary, having it necessary in there. Because when she came up against Mulan, she could have overpowered her. She was capable of it. But no, she didn't. I was like, come on, lady. You could have easily taken her down. It's pandering. It's fucking yeah. lame. Like, it's it's like, here is your feminism, like, spelled out on a silver platter for someone who, like, couldn't interpret it. And it's like, Mulan is already a super feminist story. Like, it's so... Yeah. And, and, like, I've never complained about this in my life. I don't need the fucking witch in this story to have like a reasoning for like why she's evil. She's a fucking witch. Like I'm cool with it. Like, like, Oh, she's been oppressed by the patriarchy. It's like, okay, 
that's fine, but we've already got a really great story with a really great character and a, like a existential threat of all of China. It's just so the whole witch thing is just so lame. Uh, Stevie, what did you think about it? I know you hated it too. Well, this movie is frustrating me because I told this to you with my review, which is very short, which is somewhere deep inside an original script, Mulan is a good movie. And when I saw that two teams of two like ended up with full credits uh, on this like screenplay, it really made sense because to me, her like fully taking her armor off and becoming full with the chi at the midpoint when like the soldiers are being attacked, that's like an ending scene. That's like a hero fully recognizing their ability. And like fully recognizing their identity uh, for what they are, like that's that to me was a real odd choice to have her like strip armor um, and then scare away the was it the Rurins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just strange to me that that would happen. And to me, with these two screenplays, one had a witch and one didn't. And to me, this movie felt like it was fighting itself every step of the way with it because. The movie works without the witch. Like 100. without the without the witch, the movie still goes on. It still works. It, it just like, like Pappy said, it's almost like pandering at this point. It was just odd. I mean, for those that haven't seen this movie and are listening to this podcast for some reason, <laughs> we've been talking about this. But one of the big differences is that Mulan can do magic, right? Mulan um, can do magic in this version. Yes, and she. Yes, she, she can. has like dexterity powers. Like, think like Toad from X Men. Magic. She summons a fucking avalanche, you guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly her magic is like dexterity powers. Am I wrong? Like, that's her Hand-eye magic. Hand eye coordination. She's like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in real life. Which I'm okay with. Can like, we talk if you talk about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragons, like such a smaller budget and such a better film compared to this budget. So 100%. much better. Like I got like feelings of uh, House of Flying Daggers, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And the thing that bothered me the most about this movie, kind of want you guys to talk about it, is it kind of had like Man of Steel syndrome, which is the character. Ne- like our main hero never failed, and it really bothered me. Like from the very get go. Our main character never failed. From when she's chasing the chicken, from when she kicks that spear at <laughs> her love interest. That, that goes back to her folklore, where she is perfect. She's perfect. She's virtuous. It goes back. That's fine, but you gotta make your main character fail. Otherwise, the payoffs don't work, which the ending payoff did not work in this movie whatsoever. And you need to get that through our main character failing and failing. And she needs to get to a point where she has this opportunity to rise up and she fails again. So that way, when she succeeds at the end, it makes it all the better. Like, uh, Make a Man Out of You isn't great because of the music. It's great because Mulan is kicked out of freaking camp. Like, she's humiliated by everybody and told to go home. And she climbs that pole by sunrise. No not magic. to mention, Not to mention this movie completely cheapens those feminist themes because like in that movie Mulan's just hanging with the boys you know what I mean she's putting in her time she solves the reason of like climbing the pole like through her own wit here she just has the chi 
She's not a, she's not like a hard worker in yeah. particular. She's not like, you know, extra dedicated. She's not particularly clever. She just is more talented. She's she to carry the buckets. She's more talented than everybody and that's so much that's so fucking lame. It's so much worse. Stevie, you talked about her chasing the chicken in the beginning. Man, I knew something was wrong with this movie like around there like right off the bat. <laughs> like She's she's like a little kid. She's like chasing chickens on top of like their fucking soundstage, like their rooftops and shit. And everyone's like, hey, Mulan, get down here. Stop chasing chickens. This isn't fucking Rocky 2. And then she like, she's on the roof. She like falls down and does this miraculous like feat of agility to catch herself. Yeah. And she lands. Perfectly lands in that hole. Superhero landing. Yeah. And then everyone just like <laughs> shakes their head in disappointment. It's like fucking Mulan. God damn you. <laughs> like, what? What's the fucking problem here? Can you believe this woman? <laughs> like, I know people hate when I do this, but I mean, like, there's better ways to tell that story than, like, I understand if Mulan being perfect is, like, entrenched in the folklore, but that doesn't translate to screen at all. And I was just waiting for her to, like, like I was just telling myself I need her to fail at some point. Like, it, it just... I don't know. The chi for me like didn't work at all. Like I'm okay with her being able to, you know, fly over buildings and run, you know, along walls and being able to kick an arrow 200 miles an hour. But I don't know. I just felt like with her out, without her being able to fail at some point, it just seemed kind of like by the numbers and boring. And like I'm fine with her signature move being like catching the arrow and kicking the arrow and all that good stuff. But I have to like hard disagree. I thought the kung fu looked like shit. Like it's it's very much like Avengers MCU style combat, and like that's a disappointment too. Because like you just sent me a clip, Stevie, of what, what was that movie that it was oh, from? Oh, Tony Jaa, the, the Protector Man from the Protector. It's like a unreal sp- movie. If you guys haven't seen it, go watch it. There's a six minute straight like one shot that's incredible. Yeah, six nice. minutes straight. He's like running up this like staircase, like the spiral staircase, like fighting people on every floor. The camera's following him around, and I'm not saying that like I need Mulan to do this but i have no sense of the actor's like physicality in this film whatsoever like there's never like an extended like fight sequence i'm never like wow i can't believe they like they actually did that flip or that kick or like the sequence of punches it's it's all cut to shit it's all very quick cuts it's just very unenjoyable from a kung fu styling sense well it's that's why i said this movie is almost fighting itself because it's like Okay, we don't want to make a kung fu movie. The story's going to be great. Well, the story's not great. Well, that's fine, but we're going to have great kung fu in it, but the kung fu isn't great. You know, it's just, I don't know. That's why I thought this movie was fighting itself for two hours. That's the problem. You're taking this the movie Mulan, which is like all these compo- like subcomponents, like a musical, a Disney movie with the side characters, uh, an action movie to some extent, and you take out the musical and the Disney, and they didn't put in like enough of like the like realistic action to like hold it up. Like people remember Stevie, people thought it was going to like a, be a PG 13 movie when the first trailers dropped. Like those, those rumors were floating out there. It's just, it's just basically a soft carbon copy of a Disney animated classic. It, it's so lame. I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> and that's the thing too, is like these episodes, every time we do these, they're like some of our biggest episodes, like when you add up all like the plays across all the platforms, like for a while, like Beauty and the Beast was our most played episode. Then we like, we did the, we did the, the Aladdin remake and like, I don't have anything like 
great to say about these. You know what I mean? I don't have any kind of like epic takedown or like rant or like anything to say. There's just, there's no point in these existing. They're just pointless. Like I know it's going to be between a two and four star movie every time. I did. I'm pretty sure I write like rated it higher than all of you guys. Cause the, the sets design and the costumes and the locations and the grand scale of everything was really beautifully and well done. But it was. But some of the editing and the cuts did take away from that gravitas and that bigness of it. Because they were trying to make it go on. The, they were shooting for the big screen. They were shooting for that IMAX. You could tell in some of the shots they wanted that big feel. And they're, they're reducing it down to my living room. Yeah. And I hate to keep like harping on the hero's journey. But, I mean, everybody has seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Movie's absolutely incredible. Did a podcast on it, got taken down by Universal Music Corp. The worst. Miles (laughs) fails and fails and fails and fails. And the reason that part where, like, the reason, like, that part is so good when he jumps in the city and they turn it upside down and there's great music behind it is because, oh, my God, he's finally succeeding. And they build up a story around him where it's like, wow, he's able to succeed and here's the reasons why. I almost wish they would incorporate like her superpower of kicking things into the freaking story, so that way at the end when she kicks that arrow through Jason Scott Lee, it would actually there was like an actual payoff with it because I've seen her kick four out four arrows by now, and not once did it fail. Like it worked every time. I kind of expected it in that moment. That's what she was going to do. Like I was also did not expect some of the bad CGI of like the sword melting. But I expected the arrow to be kicked fire. Also, how did the emperor know to throw it? I know. Why why did they change the emperor so fundamentally? This is like a more brutal emperor. Pat Morita plays the emperor in the animated Mulan. He's very kind and very wise. And he's talking about like a single... Fuck. I mean, just even think about that. He's so much more gentle. The theme of that is a single grain of rice, like an individual can tip the scale. The theme of this is a superhero with a magic phoenix can ultimately end the patriarchy. Like, but you have to be a special woman in order to do that. It's just so, it's so lame. Like, I think he also said in that movie, um, no matter how hard the wind, what is it? No matter how hard the wind howls, the mountain cannot yield to it. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. And there's none of that in this whatsoever. I mean, I hate to quit. Like, I hate to keep harping about things I didn't like about this movie, but there's just a lot. As a broader release strategy, actually, Kylo, I'm kind of curious how you feel. Like, I know you love the theater as much as me. Mulan aside, for a movie you'd be more interested in seeing, like, would you see, would you pay $30? Like, why would you feel about this price point um, if you were to pay for that? Or... The, the piracy thing obviously comes into play too. Like, what, what do you think about sort of this early release as a strategy? I mean, what do I think about it? Yeah. Like, do you think it's viable? Because this is supposed to be an in theaters movie, and we've all talked about how much better it would look in theaters. I mean, I don't know much about the business side of things. I, I think $30 is too much, and I, I, I'm not a fan of this, obviously. I want to see a movie in theaters. I know. The, the state of the world doesn't permit that everywhere right now, but um, th- this whole like movie theater VOD thing at home, much like this movie itself, is very much not the business. I mean, Pappy, you're asking like, 
you have an opportunity to see this early, pay 30 or wait like two weeks from now and go see it in theaters. Is that what you're talking about? I just don't understand like post COVID, assuming we get through this and like there's some semblance of a movie theaters and like AMC and everyone and Regal are operating as like, like as they were, they didn't get bought by like Amazon or Disney or something like what is the use case? Like it's helpful from a podcasting perspective because I can like rent it and like grab the clips that I want to grab like really easily. But like I would always rather go see a movie in theaters and I, I don't like how I have to pay. I'm paying money to access the streaming service and now I'm paying an additional $30 to access this one movie, basically $40 a month for like Disney entertainment. It's ridiculous. I'd be okay. Like I, I think I'd have to think some parents are okay with it because it is expensive to take a family of four to the theater now. Like it is not cheap in the like in the slightest. Uh, and so I could see some parents thinking like, well, it's thirty dollars versus eighty dollars. Why don't we just stay home and watch it? You know, mm-hmm. like I could totally see that. That's what I, when somebody commented on my thread that I was watching saying, "Hey, I want your opinion." I said, "If you have a family." It is worth um, renting it because the cost for taking a family to a theater, should one be open near, because I don't have a movie theater open within four hours of me, but should one be open, the cost is worth it. For people who have um, Disney as a um, multi-family streaming uh, platform, if each person keeps in 10 bucks, they're only spending $10 to go see it, to see it, to rent it. But as... um, a single person like me who dropped $30 and everybody else, <laughs> everybody else on my platform gets to see it because I spend it for my birthday. Um, I'm totally secure doing that. But also, I am that Disney person that um, if it was like, you know, something else, I might not have considered it. But I was hyped to see it because of the action, because of everything else going into it. There's other movies on demand I didn't pay to see yet. I'm waiting. But this one was the one that I've been waiting for. I see where you're coming from. This was like the big one for you. It was one of mm-hmm. them, yes. Uh, Bill and Ted, I, I haven't seen it yet. And it came out around the same time. I would assume that paying $30 would also protect it from ever going in the vault, too. Like, right? Like, I don't I know they're that. they're doing away with the vault. Um, I don't believe that. <laughs> I'll it, never believe that. So this, Isn't that like an Eisner thing? Yeah, I don't know. This specific film goes open to general public on Disney Plus, I think, December 3rd, December 2nd or something. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets access to it. So they're just waiting for um, it to be general release. So it's more about having it purchased for early release. I don't I don't know if I technically own it or not, or I just have the rights to watch it until it's open release. I mean, Pab, do you think this changes streaming at all? Like, do you think this is an opportunity to say, you know... Disney's saying, we need to recoup some money. Um, we definitely have a built-in fan base where some will buy it. Or do you think this will be like an actual thing post-COVID where, you know, Disney does one giant temple release, uh, you know, each month and it's 30 bucks? I think that the theater business is going to be very different post-COVID, um, Especially with those, like, I forget what it's like, the, the Panama or Paramount regulations or whatever, like, mm-hmm. going back, like, how a uh, company that produces content can also own a theater chain. Like, obviously, they don't just change the law for no fucking reason. Somebody 
was lobbying the government because they wanted that law changed, which means somebody who creates content is like eyeing like AMC or Regal and wants to buy them. So like once you do that, you know, you could basically have your movie both in a theater and on a streaming service. And it's just kind of, you know, it's all your same ecosystem. You're, you're just kind of cannibalizing yourself at that point. It's like, see it wherever you want to see it. Either I'm getting you on the snacks or I'm getting you on the $10 a month streaming service so i don't know i am hoping that there's still always going to be a place for theaters but i I could see like you know disney buys amc runs in the theaters for like a month then it's on disney premiere access and then it's on disney plus you know what i mean it's just kind of like however it's like the premium seating in an airplane it's like they're gonna get you whatever price point you can afford to to pay to see the movie i'm wondering if they would do that with the phase four mcu films I could see that. All right. Well, before we get to the end of this pod, I want to ask you guys a question. What did you guys think of the actual Mulan star? Um, I'm trying to think of her name. Does anybody know how to pronounce it? Uh, I think it's I Hate Hong Kong. Is that how you pronounce it? I Hate Hong Kong? <laughs> yeah. Is that That's it? Heard, yeah. yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Can we talk about that, Stevie? How do you feel about the calls to boycott Mulan? I mean, I'm not as, like, connected with that story, apparently, as half of Twitter is. Um, Did she pretty much back the Hong Kong police? Is that what it was? I guess so. And it sounds, I'm looking at an article from The Verge now. Yeah, that she said something, like, that she supported the police. And and multiple uh, activists, Hong Kong activists, have tweeted the hashtag Boycott Mulan. As, resp- as a response. I mean, what is she supposed to say? Because isn't she, like, working for the Chinese government when she's an actress? Like, honestly, it's like Jackie Chan. What are you supposed to say at that point? They don't have a whole lot of freedom of speech over in China. I get yeah. it. Like, for anybody to, like, blindly not see that is weird to me. Um, Like, is that probably her actual real feeling towards it? Probably not. But it's not going to keep me from seeing this movie. That's a good point. And yeah, I don't know, like, if he, if she tweets, you know, down with CCP, is she going to be existing on Earth, you know, a yeah. week later? Right? Like, what do you want her to, to do in that situation? How much control or how, does she have and how much did the PR push her to push that out? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, like, if she speaks out against the Chinese government, like, Pap's kind of right. We probably don't see a lot of her moving forward. There's probably a lot of articles saying, you know, she's on the uh, same boat as the wife from Scientology, you know, just waiting on that cruise tucked away. Uh, see, her name is, I think it's Yifi Lu. That sounded about right. I don't know. I thought she did a great job as Mulan. That was my takeaway from it. How old do you think she's supposed to be in the movie? What's that? She looks, How old do you think she she's looks, Mulan, the character, is supposed to be? She looks, I mean... To me, she looks 18, but in real life, she's 33. I was shocked to see that. 33? She, she looked 18 to 20. To yeah, me. I looked up her age. She's my age. Yeah, she's 33. I was shocked to see that. I mean, she looks younger than me, and I look young for my age. Because <laughs> I'm a year older. I don't know if you guys know that. She looks younger than Brett and Josh, and they look extremely old for their age. So that's they no really surprise. do. <laughs> they, they really do. But on that note, you guys ready for some yes or no's? No, there's one thing we haven't talked about, which is my favorite part of Mulan. 
as she's walking into the emperor to see the emperor for the first time, there was a perfect Easter egg that I just freaked out about. They brought in uncredited Ming-Na Wen, the introducer to the emperor. Was that Mulan? Yes, it was the voice of Mulan. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I lost my mind. Um, okay, okay, that is really cool. I immediately recognized her face because Ming-Na Wen's, you know, a massive actress. But as soon as she spoke and introduced her, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, it's her. <laughs> and I was messaging a couple of my friends who I knew who had seen it. I'm like, I'm freaking out right now. Do you freak out too? And one person's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, how do you not know? And he's like, well, <laughs> I haven't seen it in 20 years. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Like, that's your past. By the people, I'm like, no, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. So it was, for me, it was like a magical moment. And she, it was like, it was kept a big secret that she was going to be in it. Like, the, they wanted to, the, um, the producers wanted to find a way to include her in the film in some way. That's a really cool Easter egg. I do have a quick note before yes or no's. Go ahead. Mulan fights Borokan at the end, like the big face-off, you know, our hero versus the big villain, mm-hmm. who's Jason Scott Lee. But the place they fight, like the set they fight on, is like, it, I was getting some serious, like, vibes from, like, the Scorpion level from the Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> oh, like the <laughs> balance And it just made beam? me think about it. What was that? Like the balance beam sequence? Yeah, but, like, you know, the, the building under construction and all the bamboo. I don't know, it just made me think of how much I wanted to watch... The Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> How much more I like it. They're going to say some serious Baby's Day Out vibes. Uh, Construction. I thought of that too, actually. Yeah, with the beam. Yeah. <laughs> if only they were mixing concrete at the bottom so Borokan could have fell on it. Uh, but, Kylo, go ahead and kick us off with your yes or no's. Okay. I'm going to give this one a no. Like I said before, this movie is not the business. Um, <laughs> This movie, it lost me pretty early on, so it was like hard to keep me in. I wasn't a fan of like the uh, the magic thing, or like the the you know the powers, or like the witch, or I don't know much of anything that really went on in the movie. I, I mean, the fight stuff was like there were moments when it was like it was gonna be cool in terms of like the hand to hand like martial arts stuff in the in the big fight scenes i was like okay this is gonna be cool and then it would cut and it would not be cool um, <laughs> mm-hmm. it would like cut itself off when it was about to get good and, and i'm sure that has to do with like the way they shot it they wanted to do like put in a lot of slow motion that was obvious so i'm sure they shot it in a way to accomplish that um, other than like me being like oh i like that actor i like that actor this movie <laughs> didn't really do much for me Speaking of liking the actors, Jason Scott Lee, I think this is his second Disney live-action movie, because I'll bring this up as often as I can. He was in the 1994 live-action Jungle Book. He was Mowgli, man. I love to reference that movie, and I hope we do a podcast on it someday. He was but it's also, a no for me. He was also the voice of David in Lilo and Stitch, which is, I think I have that as my second favorite Disney animated movie of all time. Uh, so nice. Yeah, Jason Scott Lee's been in a few movies I love. Um, Pappy, yes or no? Yeah, it's a no. Um, and it's not even a no that this is, like, inherently that bad of a movie. And I tried to even, like, ask myself, like, if if this just kind of existed on its own in a vacuum without having to be tied to this uh, Renaissance-era Disney film, like, what would I think about it? And I would think it was probably pretty okay, 
But the fact that it's like beholden to making like a subset of like super Disney maniacs happy with like the Easter eggs that they plant, I think kind of sucks. Like I said, I, I thought that the feminist themes are actually frankly weakened by like all of this like quarterbacking or Monday morning quarterbacking and like rehashing that they do with all of these movies. Uh, Lindsay Ellis does some pretty great stuff um, talking about kind of like the point of these. I think she has a video on the Beauty and the Beast one um, that talks about this. But yeah, it's a lot of the changes that they make. Sometimes it feels like it's a direct like trying to fix the cinema sins problem with the movie <laughs> in some sense. And I, I don't know like what value that really adds. Um, it sucks that they're going to have to have like a big write off on this, I guess for the company. But like, I really, I'm just, I'm just tired of these and I'm exhausted of these. And like, there's for every one of these that we do a year, one or two of these that we do a year, there's like three fucking terrible ones that come out. And like, I don't want to do the Lilo and stitch one. And I don't want to, I do the Little Mermaid one, and I don't even want to see like the next announcement round of like movies that are going to ruin doing these. I just, I'm just tired, Stevie. I'm just tired of these. I'm tired of the live action remakes, and it's just a, a no for me. <laughs> Doctor Manhattan over here. I'm tired of these people. I'm tired their of movies. These <laughs> what if they did a live action of the Adventures of Mr. Toad and Ichabod Crane? I don't that think would Disney be okay. has the. Uh... I don't think they're daring enough to push to the limit that it needs to be. One of the scariest songs ever written was in the Ichabod Crane one. But, um, Pixie, you seem to enjoy this movie the most out of all of us here. Is this a yes or a no? It's a soft yes. All right. I mean, I'm, I still... Is a soft... I mean, for me, yeah, it's a soft yes. Because, you know, upon, upon much reflection, somehow I don't know the person who's staring back at me. I don't know who I am, <laughs> though I've tried. It's. I am writing the 90s nostalgia of Mulan. I am, you know, going through the. But if you were to look at it as an independent film, as Happy was saying, without all those pieces, they don't make sense. But for me, that is. Uh, I mean, for my birthday, I literally got like, Disney tattoos on my body. Not in the tattoos, but I don't know. But still, I got like, Disney tattoos in my body. I love Disney movies so much. Big Hero 6? No. Oh, that'd be a great tattoo. It's movies in my top ten, and people should go back to listen to our Disney countdown to figure out which ones they are. But Mulan was not one of them. That, you know, was enough to put physically on my body forever. Chicken Little tattoos, huh? Yeah, Chicken obviously. Little and Dinosaur. All over. <laughs> Clearly, dinosaur prints up my butt. Uh, <laughs> this, there's, there's, I mean, there's story issues. It's still visually stunning, which is why I say it's a soft yes. When it becomes free on Disney Plus, that's when I go like, yes, do it. For right now, if you're on the edge and you're like, I don't want to spend the money, hit up somebody who bought it or share the cost of it. But if you're like, I, I may not have the money because it's COVID and jobs are hard. I get it. So don't spend the money. Wait it out. Um, and when De- December hits, watch it. Enjoy it. I would just give this movie a no. It's a no for me, which is kind of shocking because I love Mulan and I was so excited for this movie. And Pap, I mean, you kind of struck on it earlier. It probably would have been a better experience for me in a theater. Um, but just 
Yeah, like I said earlier, this movie was fighting itself the whole time, and seeing a hero that never failed to eventually overcome is kind of becomes a chore or exercise at a certain point. Um, didn't love the music, just the musical scores in it. I think it's either put these songs in or just have a completely new score because it could have had a killer score, but I felt like it was really held back by those songs from the animated version. And um, the acting was fine, just um, story in the incorporation of the witch was, as Kylo said, not the business. Uh, I did not love that. Uh, but this movie did make me want to watch the 90s version all over again because I love that movie. But yeah, and also Pat brought up earlier um, The Protector with Tony Ja. Go watch that movie. It's absolutely insane. And if you love Kung Fu, you will love that movie. So a no for me. And as always with tradition, Pap, at the end of every episode, what do we have coming down the pipeline? First of all, it's not a tradition. I don't know. It's I'm... a tradition unlike any other at this nope, point. Nope, never was, never will be. <laughs> but we have uh, Ace Ventura, Friends Detective, coming out soon, uh, which is, speaking of uh, you know gender themes and roles of sexuality, we would get really into it on that we one. We have a real fun time with that one, yeah. Um, we... I don't doubt that with you guys. Kylo, are you guys doing a tenant pod? You and Brett, is that happening? You said he said we are. I'm so, so jealous. Brett says we're doing it, or a tenant pod is happening, so that that might be happening. Um, and then uh, Lovecraft Country, uh, we're doing our Mando style one spoilers episode for two episodes of that television show, so that should be coming out pretty soon. So just kind of kicking around, kicking the tires, waiting until spoo. <laughs> is our favorite time of year. So some good content until then. Though. Exciting. Also, if you guys want to recommend any good spooky spoilers, please DM us either Instagram or Twitter. And if you guys want us, us to fi- want us to finish the collection, uh, please <laughs> just say so because I've been waiting to do that for over a year. Um, but yeah, uh, as always, uh, I'm your host Stevie. Thank you for listening. Um, Yeah, that was Spoilers. Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Indestructible Mushu. Oh, <laughs> pretty high, man.